three hours of darkness while the sun's light failed. The sun stopped shining, and with a last, last cry, the one who is life stopped living. For three hours, the thing which is the most familiar light to us was darkness. And soon, for three days, the one who is the most true life would not live. This is a most holy day and a most strange day. A most holy and a most strange day that light should be darkness and life should be death. Creation grieves its creator. Even those crowds who had mere hours ago cried out, crucify him, seem to now lament that he has died. This too is most strange. Why would those who called out for his execution not now rejoice? Why do they go away sullen and dejected? I wonder if it is not because they had hoped, they had hoped he would not die. You see, Jesus had been welcomed into Jerusalem as the Messiah, and there were certain expectations of the Messiah. Many expected him to overthrow their oppressors, Rome, and to restore the kingdom to Israel, which had not been a true kingdom in many generations. Perhaps they believed that they could force Jesus' hand. If he was truly the Messiah, he could not die on a Roman cross, could not die at the hands of the oppressors that he was to oppose. And so their chants and their jeers that he might come down from the cross, that he might call Elijah to himself, that he might save himself, all these things may have had in them that sad twist of hope. What if he actually did? What if he really was who people said he was? What if he would really do what we all hoped he would do? But he did not. He did not resist his arrest. He did not debate the Roman prefect that would pronounce his judgment. He did not run or flee or hide or call down angel armies from heaven. Like a lamb to the slaughter, he went to the cross. He did not succumb to their taunting cries, did not save himself. He suffered and he did die. And the crowds leave in grief and sorrow, beating their breasts. They did not find what they wanted, did not see what they had hoped for. Their cries of crucify him were answered, but the outcome which came, that he truly did die on that cross, meant to them that he was not who they hoped he might be, and that God still had not come to rescue them. I wonder if we sometimes feel that same way, that God has not come to rescue us. Even as Rome continued to oppress the people of Israel as Jesus hanged on that cross and died, we too remember the suffering and death of this man and may marvel at all the troubles and sorrows that we still know today, which we also do not seem to have been saved from. Some of us have known the harms of sexism and racism 
Others of us have fled the oppression of governments abroad. Many of us suffer the greed of the ruling class or monopolistic corporations. Some have experienced abuse and violence at the hands of strangers, and many more at the hands of their dearest loved ones. We know all these sorrows, all these oppressions, and in our moments of deepest need, we have cried out that God would save us. But like those who gathered near to the cross on this day, many of us have found that God did not do what we hoped God would do, and we turn away from Jesus again. We return to life as we knew it, disappointed, beating our breasts. The hard truth of this day is that Jesus did not come to overthrow Rome, at least not how the crowds had expected it. Nor did he come to resolve the conflict which now grieves our hearts, at least not by simply wiping it away. He did not come to overthrow the politicians who today harm the least of these, the billionaires who profit off slave labor, the ones who seek their satisfaction at the grave expense of another's well-being. All these things are evil and we should rightly grieve them, rightly call out that God would end them. And God is at work and was at work, but not in the way that the people anticipated not in the way that we might have chosen for our lives either. You see, Rome was not the first empire to conquer and oppress. And as we all know, it would not be the last. Before, it was Egypt that enslaved the Israelites. And sometime later, Babylon held many captive. And the Persians occupied their land. And on and on the story would go and God would rescue his people. But another empire would come, and the cycle would continue on and on. A cycle of conquest, of domination, of power for power's sake, of the strong lording it over the weak, and the weak having no place to turn. In short, a cycle of sin, and the work of Jesus was not to reset this loop one more time not to push out Rome that another empire might soon take its place. But his work and his ministry was to root out the cause of this altogether. To oppose Rome, but not by rebellion, rather by taking away the power of Rome and all who work evil in our world. He would not become the strong who lords it over the weak. Rather, he would become weak that the strength of God might be seen in him and make a mockery of all the strength of sin and death. He would become weak that those who are weak would have a place to turn, a God who knows the depths of our pain and sorrow, who chose to endure far beyond what any of us know, and who was victorious in that strife. He came to break all the patterns of evil and decay which have defined the history of our world and of our lives. Jesus did not seek to overthrow Rome, but to overthrow the power of empire. He did not come to subvert capitalists, but to break the power of greed. 
He did not live to heal every disease and every infirmity, but he died that death itself might die. This was the depth of the work of Christ on the cross. That all the power of evil in the world and in our lives, that which has harmed us and which we have used to harm others, might be overcome. That as darkness fell upon him, and as death drew near to him, he would trust God entirely, lay down his life willingly, and from that place of death bring life to the world, and in that place of greatest sin, offer forgiveness to all who long for a better way. God has come to save us, but in a better way than we ever dared hope. The people who hoped that Jesus might overthrow Rome and those of us who want God to wave away the troubles of our lives, they're hoping for a bandage to repair the festered wound in our world and in our hearts. And bandages don't heal festered wounds. That will never work. Far more radical action was required to not only undo the power of Rome, but of all oppressors who would come after. Not only heal our broken lives, but also to right our erring hearts. See, the peace that we're often so hesitant to realize is that we are each as much wounder as wounded. We have left our marks on the lives of others, exercised power over those who we have at times been able to, continued those same cycles of sin which have harmed us such that they now harm others as well. We are also the people that we have many times prayed that God would overcome. We are the evildoers that we have longed to see overthrown. And in God's great love for us, he has chosen the better but harder way. That not only would evil be undone in our world, but that those who have lived in darkness might be brought into the light. And that those who are dead in their transgressions might know life at last. Jesus did not come down from the cross, did not save himself, because he was saving us when we did not know what we needed saving from. When we would have sent him to work in this direction or that, he, the light of the world, was shadowed in darkness, and he, the life, was cast into death for our sakes. He enters into the deepest darkness so that darkness might be overcome at last. And he goes to the depths of the grave that by his life, death may die. This was for us. Jesus died for us, for you and for me, that darkness might no longer shadow your vision, that sin might no longer bind your heart, and that death would no longer govern your life. The centurion who witnesses Jesus' death proclaims, certainly this man was innocent. And he praised God. How strange to praise God when an innocent man dies. But that is what we do on this day.
And that is why this day is truly good. By no stretch of the imagination could this death be understood to be justified. Even the Roman authority did not see its purpose. Surely this man was innocent. And it is good that he died because he lays down his life for his friends. He did not deserve to die. But in dying he saved many people from the power of sin and death. A saving work which still has power today. That all who follow his way, all who commend their lives to his care, are also freed from darkness, sin, and death. This does not mean they will not sorrow. We still know sorrow. And Caesar still governed Jerusalem on that day when Jesus died. But his death heralded the beginning of the end. The temple curtain was torn in two. The place where God's spirit was understood to dwell was opened And the separation between God and all people was destroyed. By the cross, we who were strangers from God and often God's enemies, working evil in our lives and in the world, are brought near. By the cross, the spirit of life pours into a world of decay. And by the cross, the light of the world promises to fill the world with light once more. The cross is the central event in the story of God's relationship with humanity. It is the new covenant that God has made with the whole world. Where before God made covenant with one man in Adam, with one family in Noah, with one tribe in Abraham, with one nation through Moses, and one kingdom with David, he now makes covenant with the whole world through the cross. God makes covenant with the whole world through Jesus Christ, who makes each of those preceding covenants right, who on behalf of a broken and hurting humanity walks blamelessly before his Father and suffers and dies that even Adam's sin might be reconciled to God. Jesus died that we might live, And by his body given and his blood poured out, he offers a new sign of God's deep love for the whole world. That he would die so that we would not face death as he did. That we might not know the depths of evil apart from him. And that even in the darkest valley, we would know he is with us because we remember the cross which he bore, the death that he died, the innocent blood that was spilled. Indeed, to know that even when we face trouble, Christ has overcome all that we now face. And by the work which he did on the cross, we are reconciled to God and the restoration of all creation has begun. By the cross of Jesus Christ, God speaks into creation once more. God says once again, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Dear friends, in the wilderness of sin, Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. And in the wasteland of death, Jesus Christ is the stream of living water. Now for you, 
and for me and for our salvation. Truly no empire, not even hell itself, can overcome him who died to bring life to the grave. And no sin, not even the greatest sin of each of our hearts, can separate us from his love, which died for us, that we might be forgiven before we knew to seek his help. What a holy day. What a good Friday. Thanks be to God. Amen.